Feds burn out very quickly. And, and the really frustrating thing is it's become uh, normalized within the sector. It's very common for vets to talk about spring burnout. So obviously spring is a, is a very busy time of the year for vets with, with lots of farm animals giving birth and, and, and whatnot. So it's just accepted that, that vets will burn out at this time of the year. And welcome to another HG podcast. I'm Jay Baker and I'm part of the HG team. And today I'm going to be talking to our expert, Dr. Kieran McCauley, who is a vet from Northern Ireland. Kieran has been doing some training with Human Givens, and we're really delighted that he's going to be joining us today to talk about suicide um, and why that's a growing problem among our vets. Hello, Kieran. Thank you so much for joining us. Hey, Joe. Thanks for having me today. Um, a little bit out of my comfort zone. I'm usually driving about the countryside in a van. I'm not doing podcasts, so, but here we go. Excellent. Well, we'd be really interested to hear a little bit more about that. Could you tell us a little bit about your background and what it is that you do? Yeah, so I'm a, a large animal vet from, from Ireland. I graduated from the University of Glasgow three years ago. Um, sort of the usual story with me. I've always wanted to be a vet my whole life, and I grew up working with animals. So, so far, I've worked in a couple of different veterinary jobs, both in Scotland and back home here in Ireland. Um, and my main interest is, is actually in farm animals, so mostly cattle and sheep. Um, however, very sadly, I was thrown into this topic of mental health when my best friend, who was also a vet, um, committed suicide two years ago. Um, it was after this very sad incident, I, I talked a lot um, to different people about my friend's death and about suicide itself. And to my surprise, it appeared extremely common within the veterinary sector. It, it really seemed that every vet I spoke to, either worked with or went to university with another vet who had committed suicide. So that's, that's really why I started my training with the Human Givens um, Institute. Mm. Um, you know, obviously, so sorry to hear about your friend. And it is distressingly common within the veterinary community. Um, I, I, as I understand, it's, a, you know, there aren't that many vets. I think there's about 24,000 or something like that. And yeah. as you say, uh, you know, everybody sadly seems to, to know somebody or, or know of somebody who has taken their own life. Um, and, and, you know, we hear reports as well that, that vets are actually three to four times more likely to take their own lives than the general population. So what kind of pressures um, are vets seeing? Yeah, so don't get me wrong. Working as a vet is or can be very enjoyable. Like I do treat sick animals and perform surgery, which often results in animals getting better um, and improving their welfare. I get the calve cows and lamb sheep. It's all very rewarding work. But yes, there, there is definitely another side to the job. Um, and some of which is quite unique to, to the veterinary sector itself. Um, the big one for me personally is the, the number of hours you work and, and the lack of sleep. A very typical ruta uh, within a veterinary practice would, would require a vet to work one or two nights a week and say one weekend a month. Um, this is on top of your normal working hours during the week so you could actually be working you know a, a full day and then be working through the night and then the next day as well yeah so for example if you were on call on a tuesday night 
you would start work as normal on a Tuesday morning um, and you wouldn't finish until the Wednesday evening, regardless of what work you did throughout the night. Um, so feds burn out very quickly. And, and the really frustrating thing is it's became uh, normalized within the sector. It's very common for vets to talk about spring burnout. So obviously spring is a, is a very busy time of the year for vets with, with lots of farm animals giving birth and, and, and whatnot. So it's just accepted that, that vets will burn out at this time of the year. Mm. It's just part of the job. So seeing, you know, the, the, the long hours that, that vets are working anyway, and then it sounds as if, you know, incredibly long on call hours as well. Um, and and with, with a variety of, of outcomes, you know, you know, bringing new life into the world, but also, you know, some, some unexpected outcomes and, and working with the challenges that that may bring with your customers and clients as well. Yeah, so there's been quite a, quite a bit of research um, around, you know, what... what has caused an increased risk of suicide in, in vets. Um, one being the very long working hours and, and per, per work-life balance, as we just talked about. Yeah. Isolation is another problem. Um, this particularly is a problem for, for recent graduates who have just came from university, usually a city surrounded by their friends and opportunities to socialize. And then you take a job which requires you to live in a rural area um, often in the middle of nowhere with uh, very little uh, to do outside of work. Um, and this can obviously be very lonely and isolating. Mm. Another issue, um, and this, again, for new graduates, and it really depends on, on what your first job is, but it's the, the huge transition from being a student to being a qualified vet. So unlike other professions such as doctors who go through clinical training, as a junior doctor for a couple of years after graduation. Once you graduate as a vet, that's it. You're a vet and you can be expected to do anything from day one. So often it can be either you sink or you swim. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it sounds as if there's a lot of pressure from, from day one um, and, and a lot of expectation. And people obviously go into the, the, the veterinary profession because, you know, they, they want to make a difference. They want to care for animals. They want to help. Um, and so they're going to be wanting um, the, the best possible outcome and, and perhaps taking on some of the worries um, and, you know, expectations around that. And is there an element of, you know, concern and worry, especially in, in newly qualified vets around, you know, ethical issues maybe and, and the expectations of, of their clients or customers? Yes, that, that is often a problem more so with your equine and companion animal vets. Uh, there's a huge and sometimes very unrealistic demand from clients. Um, pets, obviously, they're like family to many people. So obviously there's a lot of pressure pressure on the vet. Um, and, the, and there's also huge repercussions if you make a mistake. It's, it's very, very common for vets to get sued. Um, and that's, that's just another added pressure um, to your new graduate vet. Mm. You mentioned with, um, especially with graduate vets, and I'm, I'm guessing as well, um, applicable to vets who are working in much more rural communities. Um, and we, we hear too, don't we, about the, you know, the decline in mental health or mental health difficulties that um, we're seeing increasingly in, in farmers as, as well with things like 
you know, TB and having to cull um, healthy animals and perhaps poor, poor infrastructure, poor, poor broadband, um, maybe, and, uh, you know, feeling, feeling a lot more isolated and maybe a bit more cut off. And that, that, that widening gulf, I guess, that perception of that gulf between, um, you know, city and, and rural communities and, and all of those things that are feeding into that as well. Is that something that you come across within um, the farming community as well? Yes, yes, definitely. Um, again, it was after my friend had committed suicide. I was, I was talking quite a lot to farmers um, about it as well. And, and I was really, really shocked at just how common it was within the farming community too. And, and, and likewise, as you say, it's, it's quite a similar thing. You're quite isolated. There's, lot, there's very long working hours um, associated with, with working in agriculture. Um, so, yeah. Mm. And how has the the, the recent pandemic um, exacerbated these problems? The recent pandemic will have certainly made the problems much worse for your companion animal vets, as as obviously the, there's been a huge boom of, of uh, cats and dogs um, during the pandemic. Yeah. Um, so this has just added to um, to their stress in the middle of the pandemic. Um, there's a huge uh, an increase of workload. Another very big issue, and again unique to the veterinary se- sector, is the access to lethal drugs. Vets regularly euthanize animals, which, in his own right, can be very stressful. As vets are often discussing with clients that euthanasia is perhaps the best option to end an animal's pain or suffering. This method can become ingrained with the vet themselves as a solution to their own pain and suffering. Vets have very easy access to these drugs, which mm-hmm. are manufactured solely for euthanasia. So this access to is a, is a major risk factor for suicide. Um, mm. It really becomes far too easy. Mm. And and then you know they we know don't we that access to means is a, a significant contributory factor in in whether or not somebody actually does carry through with with taking their own life. Um, what can be done about this? Is there anything um, in place? Is there any support and education around this um, in for veterinary students in in universities and training colleges? From my own experience, the, the sub answer is no. Um, I graduated three years ago, so unless a lot has changed since then, but during my final year at university, we had one or two lectures on mental health, um, but it was more to do with raising awareness of the mental health issues in the veterinary sector and signposting resources. But no, we weren't really given any knowledge or, or tools to cope with stress, which I feel would have been very useful. Yeah, and I, I mean, I, I'm aware that the the Royal College of, of Veterinary um, Surgeons did run a campaign and and uh, called Mind Matters, I believe, and that really was around, as you say, raising awareness rather than helping to do, give people tools um, to to meet their needs. So. We know that from a human givens perspective, we're all born with um, innate needs and we've got the need for security, attention. We need to feel a sense of autonomy and control. And we also need to have that sense of community and emotional intimacy being, you know, totally accepted by, um, you know, just just one other person. And we also need privacy and um, a sense of competence and achievement in what we do and and also a sense of status within that um, and and also of course meaning and purpose so when we look at it through that lens how do you think um, working from a human givens approach 
um, might be useful with vets? I think it can be very useful. The, the human givens approach is very practical and applicable to this problem. It offers a very common sense approach by educating people around mental health, um, why depression and anxiety occurs. Um, it gives people the tools and resources to fix these problems in their own lives. Um, and educating simple things like why sleep and exercise are so important for mental health. Mm-hmm. And I wonder if, you know, if that can be put in um, at, at, you know, the level where people are training and so that they can carry that through, whether or not there might be a chance for some cultural um, change within the sector, because you said it's really been normalised that this is just how it is. And actually, if we, you know, if if this was to become an integral part of people's education and understanding about looking after themselves and and each other within that community, what a difference that could make. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I think the best way to tackle the problem, is starting with veterinary students, uh, they should be given the knowledge and the tools in order to cope with with stress and depression, anxiety. Um, I know vet students have more than enough exams, but it would be great to see this added to their curriculum. I think it should be a priority with the statistics. As, as vet students are really the future of the profession, giving them this knowledge around depression and anxiety will not only help them in their own lives, uh, but also might actually improve how vet practices run in the future. Mm-hmm. Mm. You know, from, a, from a, an organisational point of view as well. Yes, that's yeah. There's been quite a lot talked about access to lethal drugs as well, uh, which is a very tricky one. It's a, it's a difficult one um, to solve as there really should be no vet has access to these drugs and out of working hours. Um, but it hasn't been an easy one to solve as as you need a, easy access to these drugs for to improve animal welfare. So what can be done to address that? There's been quite a lot of talk about it um, recently, but no one has really been fit to, to come up with a solution. Um, it's You have to lock these drugs away, but but quite often they're locked away in the back of your car So um, with, and you have the key to it. So it's a, it's a very difficult one to, to solve. There's been some talk about you can you must leave the, the lethal drugs in your practice. Um, but if you're on call at night, then you need to euthanize an animal for welfare reasons. Um, it's just not practical at times to go back to, to practice to, to unlock a, a cabinet to um, get access to drugs and then call back out to the farm or, or house to, to euthanize an animal. Hmm. So I, I guess really, you know, that, that seems like, um, you know, a, a logistical um, issue that's that's quite difficult to solve. So we really need to be starting at the, the, the beginning with the education around mental health and around, um, you know, fostering a, a culture that supports the well-being of, of its practitioners. Yeah, I think that's that's the, the really the, the only way forward at the moment is is really um is really working with the veterinary students. Yeah, so we spoke about Mind Matters. And, and as we said, the, their aim was to improve the, the mental health um, within the veterinary sector. They offer training to vets to improve emotional resilience. Mm. Um, but it's not compulsory. You know, like I had to go looking for it to actually find it. Um, whereas if you had it at a university level um, and it was part of the curriculum, um, yeah. you, would, you, would, you would have to have, have gone through this training before you become a vet. 
such an important point, Yakiran, you know, that if something's an optional module, when a student's training, they might not see the relevance to themselves at that point in time. So they might not uh, take it up. But if it's something that actually gets embedded into curriculum um, and, and, and woven through um, the you know through throughout the different uh, levels of, of study um, then they do see the relevance to them they see it's very much part of their learning um, and and part of the you know their culture of of well-being in the profession as well so what are your hopes from the work the training that you're doing with with human givens how are you hoping to go out and make a difference with that I, I really hope after my training that I can go into to universities um, and and educate veterinary surgeons before they graduate, give them the knowledge behind depression and anxiety and, and the tools to, to cope cope with uh, emotional distress. And, and I hope going forward that veterinary students after they graduate will, will have the tools to, to cope with distress um, in their own lives. And hopefully in the future, it might um, help the structure of how veterinary practices are run what kind of support is there out there for for vets who are, are working um, vets, you know, working in, in practices? There are a couple of very good charities. There's a fantastic charity called Vet Life, mm. uh, which is, is very like the Samaritans. You can get in touch with them if you're in a crisis. And back home here in in Northern Ireland, that there's Vet Supports NI, which is another charity which offers support if you're in a crisis. Um, these are fantastic sources, but you have to be in a crisis before you contact them. I think they definitely have their place and they're very useful. But as we say, if you educate your veterinary students before they graduate, um, it's just another way of tackling this big problem. Yeah. And I, I was reading, too, that VetLife saw calls to their helpline go up about 25 percent last year. So from a, a community of 24,000 vets, they, they saw nearly two and a half, three thousand phone calls last year. So they're under a huge amount of pressure. Yeah, that's right. And I suppose in the past um, couple of years with, with the pandemic, everyone's felt this stress. Um, but in a, in a community or like the veterinary sector, which, which is already, I think there was a study said five and a, five and a half times more likely to have suicidal thoughts than the general population. It's just, it's just accelerating the problem. Mm. And I guess perhaps, you know, maybe that links back to what you were saying as, as vets are talking to their, their customers about euthanizing an animal, um, you know, that, that narrative that they have in their head is, is, is perhaps ingraining um, that as a solution to their own problems. Yeah, I was I was listening to Malcolm Hansen, his podcast on suicide, um, and he talked about the three the three big things was someone feeling alone, not afraid to die, or feeling like they're a burden. There are three real risks of suicide. I think not being afraid to die has become perhaps a problem um, with vets commonly euthanizing animals. They see it, you know, a solution to to a problem. All our issues like feeling alone or feeling like you're a burden. How do you feel that um, the, the work that you can do in, in universities or that you're hoping to do in universities around educating students around anxiety, depression, the importance of the, the role that sleep plays in both our physical and, and our mental health? Um, how do you envisage that, that happening? What are your hopes for, for getting that out into the wider sector? I think it would be good to, to be fit to, to organise a workshop or 
um, that you can get a group of students and teach them the, the knowledge and, and the tools that you need to cope with, with mental health issues. And, and you give them, give them this knowledge and tools to take on in their own lives individually after graduation or, or before graduation, of course, too. And not only will it perhaps help them individually uh, cope with stress, it, as they're the future of the veterinary sector, it might help change the way vet practices are, are currently run in the benefit of, of mental health. Mm. It sounds like such an exciting, you know, new, new chapter for you, Kieran, to to move on into this. Um, and you know, we we wish you all the very best of luck with the rest of your your training, um, and and of course your your future career um, in in this area, bringing such important um, education uh, to to veterinary students and to to vets themselves in practice. Well, thank you so much, Kieran. Thank you. Um, Thanks very much, Joe, for, for having me here today. Thank you so much for covering such an important topic. And I know that um, your, your, your knowledge um, and advice from, from this area and your personal experience as well will have touched many of our listeners today. If, like Kieran, you would like to train with Human Givens College, please visit humangivens.com forward slash college and the link can be found in the podcast description. Or if you're a vet seeking therapeutic help, you can find our nearest Human Givens therapist by visiting hgi.org.uk. We'll also include links to Vet Life and Veterinary Voices UK in the podcast description as well. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. Until next time, bye-bye. <laughs>